When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember a few things. First, Dana deserves better. And second, I am Batman. In the year 2039, Gotham City has no heroes. Its people, no hope. Its youth, no future. Evening, boys and girls. Who's up for the Terry McGinnis was part of the problem. You can't control your temper, and you're better if you expect to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I'll be a big success, just like you. Until a moment of violence brought him to the door of a man named Bruce Wayne. Let's put a smile on his face. Leave him alone. Once known as the Batman. You okay? Now, the Dark Knight will rise again to drive the shadow of evil from the streets of Gotham. Let's go! Super villains, beware! There's a new Batman in town! Batman Beyond! You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman. Justice returns to Gotham. Welcome to my world. Welcome, everyone, to episode 172 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we are here with yet another episode of Batman Beyond to talk about this week with uh, quite a few familiar and some returning faces. Ah, faces is the key word there. Few faces, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get into that in just a second. But yes, this week uh, we are covering the next episode of Batman Beyond as we continue through the original airing date order, or the order at least that's on the DVDs and streaming services. That's right, this week we are covering the Batman Beyond episode Plague, which which features the return of the Stalker and also introduces Batman to a organization that will eventually make its face question mark known again and again and and his continuity that being the terrorist organization of Cobra no not that Cobra and <laughs> not the not the one that fights GI Joe and no not the Cobra spelled with the C that you might be familiar with from the Marvel universe no this is Cobra with a K Liam K O B R A <laughs> Cobra what kind of madmen would misspell a word to that's name their organization evil pure evil <laughs> that's that's how you know their minds are twisted but yes, uh, I'm excited to tackle this episode with you today. This episode is one that uh, I do recall uh, watching a few times when we were we were growing up. One that I've revisited a few times since these have been put out on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, it's definitely a fun episode because you get a, uh, a, a villain hero team up. Something that you don't always get to see. All in the name of the greater good. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that in just a second. I'm sure you have the IMDB synopsis for this week's episode ready to to go as this episode originally aired liam back on april the 15th 2000 meaning we again just passed the 21 year anniversary of this episode debuting that is right cal and this is for the episode plague which was written by rich fogel directed by butch lukic with music by lolita ritmanis and animation by coco slash dong yang and that synopsis reads as such Batman and Stalker must work together to stop the Cobra Cult from unleashing a fearsome bioweapon on the populace. That's a great synopsis in my book. That's a really solid one. 
That's good. That's one um, that you could read in the TV guide back in 2000, probably. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're wondering what's coming up this week. But yeah, so uh, we open up as uh, we are at Gotham Air International Airport, I guess, with Terry and Blade and, and Dana. Dana still with Terry after all of this. <laughs> and uh, they're there. At least Terry accompanied them, even though he has no, no business being there, as they are meeting Nelson Nash as he's returning from a vacation. And we see Nelson actually coming through uh, through through customs as he stopped as he's going through. Uh, the, the agent asks if he had anything to, to declare, and of course uh, Nelson, being the the blockhead meathead that he is, decides to declare that Saint Denis is the place to party, or they party hard, or something like that. And uh, as the as the agent goes through his bag, he discovers this odd green glowing tube uh, containing some sort of liquid and begins to pretty heavily question Nelson as to what it is. Nelson reveals that he put his bag down to use the restroom at some point, didn't take his bag with him, and assumes that somebody slipped it in at that point. Uh, Nelson, again, not the sharpest tool in this shed, didn't didn't figure out that at this point that in a normal situation he probably would have been arrested or you know at least taken in for questioning. But this, what we can assume is a stand-in for a TSA agent, decides, well, at this point, we'll just let you off with a warning. Be more careful next time where you put your bag. I'm going to hold on to this mysterious liquid and I'm going to let you go. Mr. Nash, anything to declare? Yeah, St. Denis parties, hardy. I meant, do you have any restricted items in your possession? Peg it. I got nothing to hide. What's this? Jeez, how'd that get in there? You tell me. Well, I don't know. Someone must have stuck it in at the airport. You know, like when I went to the bathroom. You let this bag out of your sight? Well, I had to. The stall was too small. I was desperate. You gotta believe me, I've never seen it before in my life. Honest. Go on. Next time, Mr. Nash, keep a closer eye on your bags. Yes, sir. Definitely. Thank you, sir. And as soon as Nelson leaves, the security stop uh, checkpoint shuts down completely. And that sort of is where we reveal that uh, maybe this agent is a little bit more than meets the eye to him than uh, we, at first appearance. Yes, another uh, 80s uh, <laughs> cartoon designed to sell children uh, <laughs> cheap plastic. Yes. Uh, no, yeah, that's, so that's where we get to reveal that not only is this uh, mysterious man who we will find out a little bit later is false face, actually a villain from the comics, uh, going, going very far back into the comics history for this one, but... Uh, uh, he's and, and in fact we get our first look at Cobra One, the uh, the leader of of this Cobra cult, and our their first appearance in the series. They become a, a pretty recurring villain throughout the rest of the the series here. But yeah, we see that, and uh, at, at the same time as as Nelson and Terry and and Chelsea and and Dana are all are all walking out to the car, getting ready to to head out from the airport. They are accosted by a returning face. That being the Stalker uh, returning after his first appearance in Bloodsport. And uh, he is this time is not going after Terry, but is instead going after Nelson and begins to sort of interrogate and, uh, and rough him up to try to figure out what happened to this, uh, this mysterious green vial. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait! What do you, what do you want? Hey! Where is it? Where's the glass container? Uh, I don't know. Liar! Uh, uh, oh, uh, 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 oh, please don't! Uh, the, oh, the customs guy took it. Uh, honest. Uh, 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 which uh, is uh, when, when we when it's sort of revealed soon after is... Uh, Stalker goes to try to confront False Face, but is cut off by Batman. And uh, after a brief scuttle, we actually get a reappearance of a of a character we just met last week. Uh, 
Agent Bennett. No green glasses this week. He's uh, ditched his eyewear. He, but, maybe he had la- LASIK surgery in between episodes. That's right. Or it's, it's a possibility. But uh, we see him briefly in this episode as he informs Batman not only that uh, Cobra is in town and they've they've gotten their hands on this bio weapon, but also that uh, the Stalker has been tasked with uh, with bringing bringing the virus in and also stopping this this false face character. Uh, so that's uh, that's sort of our, our blueprint for the rest of our episode as it's Batman and, and the Stalker sort of teaming up, going from uh, location to location, looking for uh, looking for false face, looking for this uh, this virus and uh, some some pretty fun sequences that we'll definitely talk about when we get to uh, to visuals of them sneaking into this these facilities. And uh, Terry gets a little help from Bruce as uh, to where they should go for uh, the, the first location and they find this sort of secret uh secret cobra facility inside of a, a sweatshop as it's referred to apparently definitely they, they still have those in like just in the middle of gotham city it, it's definitely set up like a gym though they call yes. it a sweatshop but that's that's a I guess poorly that's just, named i guess that yeah it's a play on words it's not a, it's not a literal uh you know poorly ventilated factory from the 1920s for children or yeah or, or the the poor yes, yes. no not an actual sweatshop sweatshop. It would right. be some sort of gymnasium. And <laughs> yeah, as as Stalker and, and Batman sort of do their investigation, Stalker is clearly the headstrong one that's ready to smash things and make as no- much noise as possible, and Batman sort of has to rein him in a few times to keep him from making making too much noise. And uh, then they, they eventually get to this part where they uh, see that there is still a presence of Cobra at this area, they have a giant computer uh, featuring their own logo, as we, as you pointed out, yes. as we're watching this. They must have hired a graphic designer <laughs> at some point to devi- to design themselves a, a very fancy logo. And uh, it, well, as they're sort of doing some reconnaissance there, something triggers uh, Stalker to leap into action at that point and starts kicking some some tail and we uh we very quickly realize that terry's a little upset because he was kind of doing his reconnaissance he remembered that he could turn invisible for a change and was sort of sneaking around and as stalker jumps into into action and begins kicking people's tails they realize that at this point they have no leverage to figure out uh, just who uh, and where where the whereabouts of false face could be because ultimately that is their is who uh, who they're going to try and, and get in touch with so what part of wait here didn't you understand never hesitate in the jungle it's kill or be killed this isn't the jungle and this isn't false face we can't even ask where he is perhaps I was impatient you think? There's got to be a clue somewhere. Every pack has its alpha dog. You could see it in their eyes. They followed this one. So, and ultimately who they're after. So, uh, they, he quickly grabs uh, one that he identified as the leader and uh, begins to threaten him. Yeah, I mean, that's, if, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if you could call this a B-plot to the episode, but if there is a B-plot, I guess it's this, it's... It's the buddy cop kind of, uh, you know, the two the two characters learning to work and, and the play, lethal weapon <laughs> and play yeah to play to each other's strengths. Where yes, Stalker runs in and knocks everybody out, so Terry can't question any of them. But then he was smart enough to sort of uh, pick out which one of them was the leader, and they're able to sort of search his uh, search his pockets and find a, a disc which has a blueprints for a factory on it and they're able to sort of figure out that that's where Cobra's going next and that's sort of where we uh, as you mentioned Cal sort of begin to learn the the larger plan here which is uh, if if the U.S. government does not meet Cobra's demands that they're going to coat uh, all of the they're in basically what is a factory that makes the the credit card just that credits, replaced, they're called. But yes, yes they're the, credit cards. Well, yeah, it, it, yeah. We've, we, I don't know if we've ever talked about this at length, but ba- in Batman Beyond, nobody has cash. It's they just have like uh, hundreds of credit cards that just are just called credits that you swipe that I guess have a cash value to them. I think I think I th- they didn't predict a lot in this, but the the disappearance of cash is something yeah, that they they were fair. They were it's fair to say that they were pretty uh, in step with here that physical cash was going to go away at some point or for most places. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's so yeah, they're going to coat all of these credit chips with with the virus and and unleash them. There's like a little 
like imaginary montage featuring Dana and Chelsea uh, trying on clothes at the mall, and then they they show them taking the credits out of their wallet, handing it to the cashier. The cashier, uh, you know, scans them and then puts them in his his cash register and uh, or his credit register, I guess. And uh, and uh, and how that's that'll unleash the. Uh, the, the bioweapon in, in a way that would be almost untraceable, but also completely unstoppable to, uh, to anyone. Um, so they, the, you do set up that the Cobra is very, very willing to just unleash this. Like they want the money, but they're pretty much equally okay with just mer- large scale genocide. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're not afraid. They're not afraid to lose a lot of lives. I think, I think the, one of the cliffhanger commercial breaks is talking about how 15 million people are basically going to be exposed as the NSA sort of details their plot to, mm-hmm. or their worries about what, what Cobra is going to do with this virus. Uh, they, they do mention also at one point, I think in that explanation, if we, failed to mention it that uh, cobra had tested this in a small area of of uh of this island the same island the same island that nelson just came from by the way but uh that they happened to have uh you know it it wiped out crops it wiped out livestock it wiped out people it was uh it's it's very deadly is is kind of what they're what they've established here so uh, at, at that point stalker and batman head to this factory uh, where where they've gotten the blueprints from it, and uh, when they arrive on the scene, uh, they immediately jump into action and and start taking on some of the the Cobra agents. I guess is is fair to say. I don't know what their soldiers, co- Cobra team members. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> family. I don't know what they are. But uh, it's taking them on and false faces spotted as Stalker sort of begins to pursue him, um, and then the mayhem. Uh, the vial gets kicked around out of out of uh, his possession and is almost smashed and released by this uh, credit machine. I guess this this credit. Well, it machinery. would be a printing press, but they're not. It's not paper, so I don't know what's printing on them. But yeah, I guess there's a there's a mention before that they're unmarked creds. Uh, <laughs> so this is somehow denoting marked creds. I, yes. I don't know. So they they mark the creds with this machine, and it's sort of like you said, like a giant impacting press on this uh, square sheet. So the the virus lands on the conveyor belt and is about to be smashed, and uh, Batman has to fly through, save it, and in the meantime, it cra- crashes into giant stacks of credits that are immediately bury him. So this distracts Stalker enough to make sure that uh, the virus itself hasn't been released. So he he goes to check on Batman, and at this point, then Falseface uh, escapes. And in case we haven't talked about it either, Falseface is Falseface because the man can ch- change his face. Very right. uh, a very Clayface sort of uh, Matt. Ha- think Matt Hagen in Feet of Clay Part One, where he just yes. sort of puts his hands up to his face and sort of uh, rubs it around. Liam, do you have any headcanon as to what, where false faces uh, powers come from? Cause we don't really get a backstory and there's no other appearances of him. So, uh, is this somehow related to a Roland Daggett thing? I think so. Because if, you, cause near the end of the episode, he is, he's in, dis, he's in disguise and he's punched by Batman and we see his sort of true form, which also sort of, uh, uh resembles his more recent, uh, comics appearance. He's just this really jacked up, like his lip, like he has like a hair lip, and he has no hair on his head, and and he's just really kind of you know, bulgy yes, eyes, and like no eyebrows, and yeah, it's every, it's just very disfigured. Like you said, looks very similar to Matt Hagen in that. So yeah, I think he got his hands on some uh, some some renew you, perhaps or a later <laughs> a later version of that of that product. Maybe he was injected with it at some point Could or something. Be. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't know because I mean it's established that he's kind of a mercenary. He's not really in the cult right. with Cobra. And in fact, as, as we come to find out, he's actually being used by them <laughs> quite, uh, quite literally, uh, in, in this plot. But yeah, so I, I like to think that it's, it's somehow connected to, uh, to, to, to the Roland Daggett, uh, legacy of, uh, head cannon works here. It's canon until proven. Otherwise say they've had a long time to give him a real origin and have never, never got around to it. I don't believe he ever comes back in the series. So, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm going with, and and Love we it. there is sort of a clay uh, material to it when he when he's getting knocked around. So that's right. I well, think I think that works. Well, we learn in this fisticuffs as as he escapes 
and uh, we we actually get a the stalker is able to shoot sort of a, a flash grenade at him that hits him and knocks him down but he's still able to escape in the process stalker at this point is when he grabs the cobra agent and begins to uh, question him as to you know what their plans are at this point and uh, he says that at this point your plans have been foiled so it really doesn't matter what happens and he notices there's a bit of a smug look on the the cobra cobra one's face which then uh, you know, reveals that they had a backup plan and sort of a subplan to their initial plot <clears throat> call your pal bennett tell him the worst is over is it hello we just kicked your scaly butts he knows something what It's not over, is it? What have you done? Tell me. It's small space. He's been infected. He's a carrier, but he doesn't know it. It was our backup plan in case your government resisted. Soon he'll become virulently contagious. You'll never find him. And that is that they've already infected Falseface with the virus and that it's a high, highly contagious virus at that. So that basically any, any people that he comes in contact with are at risk at that point for getting uh, getting the virus so it's at that point it's a race against time and and batman and stalker have to do their best to not only stop false face from escaping so that he doesn't spread this virus everywhere but also uh you know they have to have to make sure that the people that he's coming in contact with actually they don't really he he comes in contact with a lot of people and they don't really say it's like do those people have to be hospitalized it, is it they, just they like make mention that he's he's not contagious yet, but within like an hour he'll be okay. contagious. All right, well that's how they that's how they get rid yes. of it. All right, so th- that that makes sense at that point. So yeah, it's a, it's a little race, literal race against time at that point to get him contained before the uh, becomes in, in contagious. So at that point, there's a pursuit, and they're really not sure how they're going to find him, but. Wouldn't you know it, something from the original Stalker episode, Bloodsport, comes back into play here. Some great continuity, Liam. That's right. So, uh, as uh, yeah, as, as mentioned, he uh, hit him with this, uh, this grenade that just sort of knocked him down, and then he was still able to get away, but it's revealed that it was actually the same sort of grenade that he had hit Batman with in the, in the previous episode, and that... Not only does that, uh, not only is it an explosive, but it actually coats the person in a uh, in a sort of low-level radiation that Stalker can then track uh, with his sort of special enhanced vision that he has. And so they're able to track him down. Stalker confronts him. He's actually taken down by uh, by a taser. They they even show. We'll get to that in visuals. It's pretty dramatic, but they sort of do a good job of also playing into some continuity there. And that uh, that. Uh, a lot of stalkers enhancements are in fact mechanical and so a big jolt of electricity would in fact at least temporarily disable him um but uh yeah false face seems to be about to get away but he happens to try to disguise himself as nelson nash and uh, and batman's able to find him like we said they have this sort of brief scuffle they uh they they fight out of the mall. They end up in sort of this this factory and another factory. A lot of factories in this episode, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they fight into another factory. A, a fire is started by False Face, and uh, Batman's trapped under some rubble that falls. And it seems like all hope is lost. But the Stalker comes back, and there's sort of uh, you know the whole episode has been Terry sort of waiting for the shoe to drop, and is he going to attack me? And he raises the spear. Uh, towards Batman's face, but instead of attacking him, he uses it as a, a little bit of leverage to free Batman from the fire. They uh, they are able to run outside. They see that that false face has sort of succumbed to the poison and is laying unconscious on the ground. And we get a, a little bit of a, a epilogue dialogue there, as as Stalker mentions that while uh, while he does want to kill Batman, that that would not have been an honorable death and that he when batman dies it'll be by his hand and his hand alone and terry's not quite sure whether to feel comforted by that or not but at least he knows that when uh, if if he ever deals with the stalker again that'll it'll be a uh, something resembling a fair fight i guess that's and that's kind of where we leave it uh, there you go yeah so we uh, i guess we can 
now that we've summarized the episode, we can talk about this. I think the plot for this is really, really strong. I think as a as a plot device, the superhero teaming up with his uh, re- reluctantly teaming up with a villain in the past or someone that's been a threat mm-hmm. to him is always a great trope because you, you have this natural distrust that mm-hmm. creates tension between the two characters. It's not as much in this one. It's not focused on the 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 worry of double cross terry doesn't face that too much he certainly has that moment at the end where he's mm-hmm. concerned that he's going to kill him at this point and it's certainly on the forefront of his mind but there it doesn't feel like there's as much you know is he going to join cobra at some point it's not that type of tension where you're worried whether or not they're going to stay on the straight and narrow it's more as is this person going to turn around and kill me at some point right which is its own version of tension you know that's 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 not to minimize that so I think that that story, though, is great. It gives you an opportunity to see that the stalker sort of redemption, turn him into a bit of an anti-hero for this episode. That's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Uh, so you get to see some of the same things that were used against Terry, like we said, in the first episode are now used you know, to, to help Terry. Terry's able to use them as a resource. And uh, you get it, it adds a little bit of a dimension. Now, we aren't, I will say, though, there's a little bit of a plot hole here. When we last left Stalker, he was about to be hit by a train and <laughs> on the train tracks, and we didn't really see a resolution here. He lost his mind. Like, he had, right. he was gone crazy. He kept seeing, like, the, the, the black and the red of the bat suit was turning into the black and the red of the panther that had... Uh, nearly killed him like right. he was having a like a mental breakdown so we don't really know what happened specifically to him all we know that he was somehow in he was in the custody of the nsa essentially or in some sort of some sort of holding cell where they go and get him for this it's a little bit if you think too hard about it, it's like this is their only answer to find this guy is they had to find they had to get the stalker to track this guy down like are uh, uh, all right, well, I get it. He's a master of disguise. He's constantly changing his face. You didn't have uh, a, like a homing beacon inside him, like they could track Zeta. I don't right. know. It's it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's fun. I think it makes this episode really fun for the most part. Yeah, and I think I think it's could you have introduced a new character as the tracker? You probably could have. Sure. But I think that adds to it. It's like, well, we have a character in this universe already who we've established is like this expert hunter and tracker, so. Let's just bring him back. And obviously it's a great character. We we had so much fun reviewing his first appearance. And sadly, this is it for him in, uh, in Batman Beyond. He does make a cameo uh, later on in uh, Epilogue, uh, the Justice League Unlimited episode. But uh, this is it for his uh, Beyond appearances. He does also have some uh, comic book appearances as well. But uh, yeah, this is, this is it. It's such a fun character. And I, I was glad to see him brought back here and... Yeah, maybe they could have played more into the the distrust that him and Batman has. Like I said, it, they go more for a a mismatched partners. I can't believe I'm working with this guy type of vibe <laughs> than a than a uh, than a you know is he gonna is he gonna stab me in the back type vibe. Uh, other than that, that little ending. But overall, I think it's a fun you know thrilling, exciting episode. It feels like there's stakes to what's going on, and and that. You know, the, every every action feels pretty important in it, so I uh, I ended up settling on an eight out of ten for plot. Yeah, that's a that's the exact same score I gave, uh, eight <laughs> out of ten. Believe it or not, uh, I'm sure you will believe it if you've listened to this uh, this this podcast for any of the prior 171 plus episodes. So yeah, it's it's a fun episode. It it does move at a rapid pace, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of downtime. There's a lot of jumping from location to location, which fits well. I feel like with the plot because you're it's a race against time you're trying to contain this this literal virus that's about to spread right and you, then you have to stop the person from from spreading the virus too uh, no real world uh, implications here yeah it doesn't feel at all familiar for us no, not triggering at all for anybody nope. who's lived here the last two years on it's earth definitely but... not anxiety inducing <laughs> to see a man infected with a deadly plague uh, just running through a mall <laughs> I was thinking we I, we joked as we were watching it. I joked as we were watching. It, I was like, man, that like stalker should be screaming, get the vaccination, get the vaccination. <laughs> he should have a, he should have a, the Moderna on that spear of his. Just throw it at him. Yeah, but so I, you know, it, it it's it's funny that there are some real world implications and and certainly reminders here uh, as we watch this. But it's it's pretty fun overall. I think seeing Batman work with one of his adversaries. 
and uh, get some redemption out of the character i think is is fun too yeah again it's a shame we don't get a follow-up you know round three between uh batman and stalker but yeah, that probably would have been would have been fun to to see ultimately in the series but overall i think it's a very fun episode uh and it's uh it's a it's a good 22 minutes to sit down and enjoy agreed and that will move us on to our second category here cal which of course is visuals and animation this week's episode once again directed by butch lukic with uh with animation by coco and dong yang uh this one's fun um i think there's obviously the first thing we have the cobra guys which i don't you have a lot of them that are just these very generic green green suited guys <laughs> they're um, expendable they're expendable it's, it's the red shirts from star mm-hmm. trek it's a stormtrooper it's, it's the, cobras the, the neo vipers from gi joe that's right well, funny enough Ex- yeah. exactly yeah they're just very expendable they all look the same it's the cgi army from any superhero movie from right. the last 10 to 15 years absolutely yeah. nothing distinct about them but they i like that they look different than the actual leader like the leader mm-hmm. has that gold suit cobra one has the gold brown orangish mm-hmm. tan tint to them whereas they're all the lackeys are all uh, obviously identified via the green suits mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think that that will look, that looks pretty good and yeah there's a lot of fun like you said it's funny we mentioned there's a lot of like factories and stuff in this episode but that whole sequence uh from uh when when batman and stalker are are teaming up where they're sort of sneaking through this uh this uh gym and uh, they're sort of taking out the security cameras one by one and 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 then they're they're finding this sort of secret passageway that leads down to uh to the the secret headquarters and 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 then that battle which again very much coming out of a, a gi joe cartoon or something like <laughs> for it's sure just, it's just this this weird room with a big giant computer and as we mentioned a a cobra logo and uh, on the screen uh, no, no doubt that this is an evil villain lair, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that that that's a pretty fun sequence. I I like the sequence in the the credit making factory with the with the machines and everything going, and and Batman the the race there is is the the vials about to be crushed, and Batman flies uh, to cat to grab it to avoid it getting crushed, and then flies right into this like big pile of the of the cards. I think is a is a clever little bit there, and. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the overall, once again, I'm sure we talked about this a lot in the first episode, but just the movements of Stalker are so deliberate and so animalistic. And, you know, he's he's on all fours for a lot of it, and it's, he's shown to have these very powerful legs, and he's leaping, and he doesn't move like... He and Batman uh, move very differently in this episode, which I think is a really cool way to sort of identify his specific sort of training and advantages that he has. Yeah, he's he doesn't move and that's that's the way it should be, right? Because he's right. he's a very unique character. We learned that in the last uh in the last last episode with him in it. Not only that, but he's had this surgery to give him this cybernetic eye and and repaired his spine so Mm -hmm. naturally he should move a little bit almost mechanically it's it is mechanically but also like you said like animalistic it's very you know his arms and legs sort of flail about as he runs and he's usually carrying this uh you know he's carrying his his long staff at the same time and just jumping and you know he'll land away and he puts his hand down when he lands uh someplace and just very wild movements, I would say, from mm-hmm. from him. So the fact that they went out of their way to animate him with that style, yeah, it fits the character very well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, for sure. I thought I thought that stood out, and yeah, that that final bit there as they're uh, as they're as Terry and 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 uh, the stalker have tracked Falseface to the first to the mall. There's a shot as as I mentioned of uh, of Falseface tases the stalker, and you see that mechanical spine light up with electricity as he sort of, and then he's sort of twitching and his arm his his hand is kind of moving in a really unnatural way as, as you sort of establish once again, that this guy is, is like half, half robot at this point. Right. And, and, uh, and then that, that final bit is, as, uh, as Terry and, and false face are fighting and, and the, you know, the place is on fire. It creates a really, you know, dramatic, you know, everything kind of t- takes on that orange hue of the fire and you're, 
and it's it's a pretty dramatic final fight as false face kind of keeps getting the upper hand on terry and he's wailing on him with like a baseball bat at one point and we keep we cut at one point to a uh like the the pov shot of, of terry's vision with like that red uh the red sort of bat bat goggles over top of it and we actually like he hits terry while you're looking through terry's eyes it's like this really dramatic and, and then you see like the the lead pipe uh sort of bent by terry's skull like it's a very <laughs> you know as it's it's as violent as you can get for a, a show that couldn't show blood or dismemberment yeah there's there's a couple of those i'll, I'll come back to that scene in just a second because i think that's that is where ultimately i think the the standout visuals for the entire episode in it in an episode that featured quite a few mm-hmm. i think that that's that's ultimately the culmination of that being the scene that we get to where we see a lot of the memorable visuals i think is worth noting but uh, i think starting off even where we first first see stalker return and he swoops down to to grab nelson and he he picks him up and he sticks him kind of on the end of his staff sort of hanging by his shirt he sticks sticks the staff under his shirt so the staff itself is sort of bending back and then stalker starts climbing up this building uh, while carrying Nelson hanging on the stick. It's a great visual. We get sort mm-hmm. of the side profile of, of stalker walking up the side of the building. Not at all. Uh, could, could not, could also be, or not confused with a, uh, a homage maybe to Batman 66, just a slight <laughs> one as we see stalker climbing up the side of the building from that side profile shot there. Nobody popped out of a window to say hello. No celebrities from the late nineties uh, popped out to <laughs> have a conversation with stalker. So maybe it's not a direct homage, maybe a coincidence, but I, I think not knowing the source material here. And uh, so then he gets to the top of the building and he starts sort of, sort of, you know, really questioning, uh, Nelson as to where the where the virus is and the look on Nelson's face of terror as he's sort of hanging off here as the the staff barely <laughs> sticks under his shirt uh, I thought was done done really really well I really enjoyed that um, I think false face as a character you know we talked a little bit about that about the the fact that maybe it's it's inspired directly by Matt Hagen's look, or maybe he had some Renew You somewhere in his DNA at that point. But uh, I I love there's the initial scene where or that that final scene where where Terry finally gets his hands on him begins you know hand to hand combat with him. There's a couple of punches that False Face takes directly to to the mug, and one one sort of rearranges his face a little bit, and you mm-hmm. begin to see that true form. And then there's another one where Terry hits him with an uppercut and his chin literally flips up over his eyeballs at that point so his <laughs> his face is sort of caved in mm-hmm. I, I imagine that probably was was a fun one for them to, to storyboard for this because yeah. it's not every day you get a character you know that that you know later on maybe with with the elongated man or if they had you know introduced plastic man into the actual series you could have had some fun like that but mm-hmm. it's not every day that you get a, a a person with a face that directly bends and and wraps mm-hmm. around itself like that like false face for sure yeah that's that's definitely a pretty striking moment there when the yeah it looks like it could almost be like a popeye character or something <laughs> like it's yeah, it's definitely that that over the top uh, cartoonist, but it totally works because of again they establish earlier in the episode that you know when he's when he's not really in control of it when he's getting knocked around he kind of begins to lose lose that shape and 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 his face is basically putty as as we see throughout the the rest of the episode. So yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty fun sequence and it it leads into that really dramatic finale where his really jacked up face <laughs> is uh, is attacking Batman and again you got you have all those POV shots where it's it's very I guess it's almost like a monster movie or something where the he's just running at you almost as he's kind of coming towards the camera and you see through Terry's eyes. That's right. And it's interesting. So the false face character is, you know, it, I didn't realize this until we started doing, uh, started uh, looking up his history. And you mentioned he was actually a Bill Finger creation. So he's right. been around since pretty much the beginning at this point, you know, if, if not somewhat after Batman's creation. So mm. an older character like that, that they decided to bring into this episode, someone that they hadn't used on, on Batman, the animated series, mm-hmm. but brought him to the, the future version. I love, I love the, I love the symmetry of that sort of the book ending of that, like mm-hmm. literally the, one of the first creations from the people that were responsible for creating Batman. And then you take that and you, put that in the future, you know, 
50 years for the future, whenever now is, and <laughs> this is what you get out of it. So to incorporate a character like that, a lesser known from the original golden age of Batman, I, I just love the concept of that and that the, the directors and the writers decided to use that for this episode. Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's a, it's a good shot. We, we talked about how, um, you know, in, in Beyond, Blight is sort of vague, had some vague basings on uh, Dr. Phosphorus, who's another one of those very early Batman foes that never really made it into the animated series proper and, and how they were able to take that old school, that early of an era of Batman and just seamlessly integrate a character like that into a... Uh, into a, uh, a Batman Beyond episode is great. And I think it also works, and, and we've talked about it, and obviously, especially with a stalker appearance, it's we, we talk quite a bit how influenced by the the early Steve Ditko Spider-Man this series was, and uh, and how obviously with Stalker kind of being a Craven the Hunter type character, you also have your a version of the Chameleon. Of course, this version not created for the show. In sure. fact, and in fact, his creation actually uh, predates the Chameleon's appearances in Spider-Man. Which, I mean, far be it for me to accuse Stan Lee of taking credit <laughs> for an idea he didn't actually think of himself. Well, let's that just, would never happen. You would never be the first person to do that, though. That's let's true. be honest. That's true. Uh, <laughs> you would definitely not be the first person if you did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, to see that another character who, even though again not created for the series, but sort of fits that mold of a of a, a Spider-Man stand-in or type villain for, for Terry to contend with is, a, again, just a great uh, integration of a, of a character from the comics. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of wrapping up my thoughts on visuals here, I think with the Stalker, having him back and, and again, going, to the, going back to the continuity of using his sort of bionic eye or whatever you want to call it, that he's able to sort of use that bomb and then use it later on to track you know, with the, with the dust or the powder that the residue that's left on, on false face to track them. I thought getting the POV shot is great, but also the close up of his eye as it's sort of in use, you know, all black with the green, green center as he's also t telling Batman, uh, you know, later on uh, that, uh, you know, if he's, if Bat, if he's going to kill Batman or, if, you know, Batman at this point, thanks him for saving him. And he says, if, well, if you're going to die, you're going to die by my hand. And Terry's, Terry's reaction is thanks, I guess. <laughs> I love that. You risked your neck to save me. It was not your time. When you die, it will be by my hand and my hand alone. Thanks. I guess. And then, I, again, I think, though, ultimately the, the, the standout scene is that final scene where they land in whatever this factory is that uh, begins to uh, be engulfed with flames as, as uh, False Face lights this, this basket of laundry on fire. And then mm -hmm. it very quickly the entire place uh, it lights on fire. And as you said, the multiple POV shots that we get from Terry's uh, point of view is he swinging this bat or metal pipe or whatever it is around and then uh, even the POV shot at the end that we get of Stalker as he's about he has the staff and Terry is stuck under the debris mm -hmm. and uh, the fact that he comes at him straight with his staff and you think that, all right well here's it here's the double cross that Terry was maybe afraid of the entire time and he just uses it to leverage the debris uh, off of Terry so that Terry can can escape I I, I love that I, I love the sort of sort of uh, you know bait and switch there that happened mm -hmm. that you you thought what you thought was going to happen didn't ultimately happen so uh, i think the visuals are, are definitely the standout for this week's episode lots of great things to to enjoy uh, that's why i ended up giving visuals a nine out of ten what about you yeah i uh, i also really enjoyed these and uh, i gave it a, a very similar eight out of ten um yeah just some really standout stuff uh, i think especially as the episode went on um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I just, I just love the overall, the, the movements of Stalker really stood out to me as, as we, we've talked about that, just how, uh, how deliberate they were in, in making sure that he didn't move like any of the, uh, the other characters in the show I thought was, was a really good attention to detail, whether, and whether that's more on, uh, you know, the direction, the storyboard artists or the animation or a combination of all of those, I'm, I'm not, uh, not quite sure, but, uh, definitely a great job done by, uh, all involved. Absolutely. And Cal, that will move us on to our third category, which is, of course, music. And we have music this week by Miss Lolita Ritmanis. And uh, the return of Stalker also uh, returned 
not necessarily a specific hummable theme that, as we've talked about with a lot of the Beyond villains, but he sort of has his own musical style, which is not only this sort of softer, uh, slower percussion, but there's sort of a there's some strings and in some horns and maybe even like a little bit of like chanting or yelling thrown into his to a scene when any, whenever the stalker's kind of in action that 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 sort of general theme and that sort of general style of music kicks in yeah we, it's almost like there's a, a shofar or some sort of horn playing in the background that anytime that he appears on the screen you kind of get this subtle blow of this horn in the background and it sounds you know very uh tribal in nature i guess you could say so um it's a, it plays throughout the the entire entire episode pretty much any time that he shows up it signals that he's kind of arrived on the scene and then will continue to sort of subtly play throughout the scenes but you pointed it out right away as we we're watching it that the you know oh that that music really slaps as the kids mm -hmm. say like that's i don't know the kids still say it slaps probably not probably not they've moved on to something if else. we know about it they probably moved on yeah to something else. well we'll say it slaps <laughs> uh you know we're not the kids anymore i guess so yeah it it it's pretty awesome i i, I love that because it combines not only that that horn but then you get a subtle sort of drum beat that comes in here uh very tribal themed drums you know a lot of congas a lot of a lot of beats that happen and uh that that sort of punctuates the music throughout the scenes uh that stalker is featured in and also it sort of ramps up as they're sort of in pursuit of a false face um it certainly lays down a, a little bit lower in the backgrounds when you have these intimate scenes between batman and stalker and they're having these conversations but it's as we as i mentioned it's it's a pretty action-packed fast-paced episode so there's not a lot of breathing time to kind of back off of the music it felt like in a lot of points yeah that's that that definitely gave a, a rhythm to it that uh that i i thought really added and really punctuated a lot of a lot of those scenes and really added to that drama yeah there's there's a lot less of the the regular Batman Beyond music. I think we still get some of that more traditional sort of rocked up music in in maybe the 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 fact the the credit factory scene and, and a little bit at the end there when it's just Terry and False Face before uh before Stalker sort of reappears there. But yeah, I I uh, I, I appreciated that and we we've talked about that with certain with certain characters with Stalker with curare certainly and and even some of the original batman episodes kind of rather than having a, a specific villain theme sort of just having a style of music that accompanies the that character's appearances and i, and I think that really works well for for stalker here and uh, it, it gives it a, a really a really strong uh, feel throughout the entire episode and uh yeah, for all those reasons, I actually went ahead and gave music a 9 out of 10 this week. Nice. Uh, yeah, music is very strong. I love when we have an episode where the, where the music differentiates itself. Like, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we, we know that the style of music changes from show to show. You know, sure. the more orchestral stuff from Superman and from Batman the Animated Series uh, somewhat continued in the new Batman Adventures. And then, you know, this, we know we have the, the, synth, you know, the synth and the, the drum and the guitar and you know the batman beyond episodes we've talked about there's a lot of them where the music is in that style of batman beyond but there's not a lot that makes it unique or stand out and that's okay like we still get the, the mm -hmm. you get the idea behind what's happening it's the theme of the show but having something that makes it unique enough and stand out it's like okay this is a character in this episode we want you to know that he's different when you see him on 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 screen he's different mm -hmm. than everything else that what's happening around you this character changes the tone of what's happening on the screen changes you know the 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 mood of what's going on so i love that because the music plays a big part in that and then they did that for this week's episode um that's why i actually gave music a uh, an eight out of ten so love it yeah yeah i think i think as we got closer to jlu they sort of found that sweet spot of yes you still have a lot of rocked up music a lot of guitar a lot of you know heavier drums and stuff but you would still you know sort of incorporating uh strings it was more of a, a combination of i think the previous show's styles and i think this episode is kind of a representation of 
of when uh, you know Lolita Romanus, of course, part of the uh, the Dynamic Music Partners, along with uh, Michael McQuiston and Christopher Carter. So I think yeah, I think they all sort of were moving in that direction as these series went on of being able to maybe have the rock music as the base, but also you know when it when it when the character or the story called for it of being able to switch that up. And I think this episode did a, a really great job of that. Yeah, I would I would agree with it, and I think it reflects on our scores. One hundred percent. And that will move us on to our final category here, Cal, which of course is voice acting. Not a huge cast to talk about this week. We have some minor appearances. We do have uh, briefly Rachel Lee Cook uh, returning as Chelsea. We briefly have Lauren Tom as Dana, and of course Seth Green as Nelson, uh, who does actually get to do a little uh, has some funny moments uh, both with the. Uh, the false face uh, TSA guy, and then and then when he's actually interacting with the stalker himself, uh, pretty pretty entertaining little bit from a, a a small part from Mr. Green. Yeah, absolutely. He we don't get a whole lot of dialogue. Usually he has a quip or a, you know something something to say to Terry that you know that gets under Terry's skin, and he doesn't miss that with this episode. He gets his opportunity to do that again, but yeah, he gets he gets a little bit more to do as Stalker sort of you know is is grilling him to get this information from him, and then his interaction after he survives that interaction uh, with uh, with Stalker, he has this interaction again with with Blade and with uh, with or sorry with Chelsea, and I think I called her Blade in the opening scene too with Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea and Dane as as uh you know as as he's sort of recounting his he needs a new pair of shorts so i yeah i I think he gets gets a little bit more to do and it's it's uh he he knocks it out of the park it's pretty funny one yeah 100 uh we do briefly have uh joe spano returning as bennett uh his final appearance in this role as 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 we mentioned last week he was a recast for the zeta show uh, we have uh, Kerrigan Mahan, who is another sort of a regular uh, voice acting choice for the DCAU. You see a lot of like additional voice credits for him throughout his career, but uh, uh, p- folks might also know him as a uh, as a villain on Power Rangers. But he plays the uh, the Cobra One, the the leader, really the only Cobra guy who gets more than maybe one or two lines of dialogue in the episode. Um, very, very kind of generic, just sinister evil guy. Not like, doesn't really come off as like a super charismatic leader, but he's also really not the main villain of this piece. So I think you can kind of forgive that. Um, uh, our main villain, of course, being, uh, we have Townsend Coleman as, uh, as false face who, uh, we've talked about him, I think quite a few times on this show. Cause a lot of times he's playing like bit parts almost uh, voice cameos, but uh, was, you know, a prolific voice actor, did a lot of work over the years, including being the voice of The Tick, as uh, as well as being the voice of, like, NBC's uh, primetime commercials. Must see TV Thursday. That's right, for, for years and years, and I think still does, like, syndicated... Uh, syndicated voiceover work for like when you see like reruns of king of queens or or sure. seinfeld or something you'll still hear his voice sometimes uh doing those as well so yeah he's he's very good i mean you can tell it's him because he has a very recognizable voice did you get it Very good. Hold it. I shouldn't be seen leaving work this early. Have to keep up appearances. But there is like a little sinister edge to it that I appreciated. Yeah, it's it's good. He, you know, it, it it's. It's hard because he has such an, a recognizable voice, and mm-hmm. he was such a big part of our childhood for for many different voices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's hard to pick him out and say, Oof, like, you know, we've talked about it before. When you hear somebody's voice in a role that you're not used to them, right. he was the tick. You know, he's he's the voice of the goofy doofy superhero. <laughs> you know that uh, that that you know that he played for i think it's only two seasons or ended up being two or three seasons of that Mm -hmm. show but it we watched those episodes so many times the episodes that we had on on videotape so very familiar with that voice in a very different role so and it's it's a comedic role it's a light-hearted role it's not this role of serious bad guy so 
he does a good job. It's not it's not the same voice. He is able to change his voice up enough where it's not the same voice of the tick, but at the same time, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, it's Townsend Coleman. Here we go. <laughs> uh, like it's he's very recognizable. He's got a very distinct uh, vocal. So it's just kind of unfortunately for him, it's kind of un- hard to unhear that sometimes. Oh, when for you're, sure. When you're taking in a performance. With that said, I think if you if you aren't as familiar with his voice acting, I think I don't think you'll find a, an issue with his acting because I th- think he does a good job. For sure. And then our, our two main players are three. We get a little bit of Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne still definitely kept to the sidelines in this episode, but uh, get a little bit of him uh, sort of talking things over with Terry and, and doing a little detective work. But uh, yeah, our, our main stars of the piece definitely are, of course, Will Friedle as Batman and uh, and Carl Lumbly as uh, returning as the stalker. It's funny, we just talked about this, uh, you know, a recognizable actor specifically to this this cartoon universe right um but uh i mean it is i think it is different enough now it's complicated things because it does sound a lot like anansi the spider who (laughs) now that we've also reviewed that episode of static this is true uh, i think we even sort of headcanoned that maybe uh stalker's a descendant of his uh, i love that previous episode yes uh, yes we did but uh but yeah i mean that's he is doing he's not doing the martian manhunter voice it's it's much less monotone it's He's a very, I mean, and that's part of the, as we've talked about in the plot, is he's this very reactive, you know, or proactive, I should say, character who's constantly willing to spring into action, has this temper on him, and he also has a little bit of, a, of an accent to it. So, to me, while I, I generally agree that it's hard to uh, to deal with it when it's an actor you recognize, I also, I do generally really enjoy him as Stalker. Like, I think he does enough to differentiate himself from the Jean performance that I, that I think it still works. There. You see him? But how? My grenade marked him. He won't escape. Before you infect the entire city. What? You have the sickness. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can tell it's Carl Lumbly. You can tell that this voice is... Carl Lumbly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very Carl Lumbly voice. He has a very distinct voice. But, yeah, the accent certainly makes it a different character. Um, and, you know, it, it, I just said, you know, it, it, it's hard to not hear that character as another voice. But I think for this episode and certainly having a prior episode where he's established as this character, it's a little bit easier to accept whether or not, you know, that it's this very well-known voice actor that you're familiar with. And it's not the voice is coming out of a different drawing, basically. So, <laughs> no, I, I think he does a, a good job. And this is a different it's a different style of stalker voice that he plays in this episode. As we said, he's he's not the adversary of, of Batman. He's not coming after him. He's not he's not sort of unhinged either. Either. There's a, a bit of unhinged behavior that you get from his mm-hmm. from his dialogue in that first episode, Bloodsport. Yes. So this one, he's whatever whatever was ailing him has been cured by his time in his uh, rehabilitation cell, I guess, because he's not as unhinged. I do appreciate the the little banter back and forth with Wilfredell's mm-hmm. Terry. Is you know again he's thre- he's sort of threatening him and letting him know that he could take care of him whenever <laughs> he needed to, but uh, that uh, you know right now they're fighting for the same cause, so you don't really have have to worry about that so I, I do love that and I, I think they had some pretty good chemistry and it, for them to have a different dynamic where it's not you're coming at each other as adversaries but this time you're coming at each other as allies mm-hmm. I I liked that as well and I think that both both men did a pretty outstanding job when it came to uh, their voice performances this week so I ended up giving voice acting overall because uh, I think everybody did a pretty good job and eight out of ten what about you? Nice. Yeah, I went I went 7 out of 10. I think I could have used a little bit more from the Cobra leader. Like I said, I understand he's not really the main focus of the episode, but he's just it's it's a very understated performance and I'm sure uh yeah, Gary Mahan was was just, you know, doing as as asked and as directed, but uh so I you know, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad performance by any, any means, but as like the really he's the mastermind behind it all, especially I think in that last scene where he's sort of revealing that they infected false face with this, uh, with this virus and that he was sort of their contingency plan the entire time. 
uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was a little disappointed with, with, with that performance, but, uh, yeah, overall still very, very strong. And, uh, and that's, uh, reflected in both of our scores. Uh, absolutely. And that will bring us to our final scores here, Cal. And uh, tallying everything up, I have a very strong final score of 32 out of 40. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, I actually ended up with a very strong 33 out of 40. So there you go. Um, I guess uh, I guess no one is surprised listening at home if you've listened to episodes before that our scores are very similar. <laughs> Um, I, I think for the disagreement alarm, we're just going to have to start anytime we disagree slightly on anything because that thing is so dusty <laughs> and we, we just agree so often yeah. on things, but, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, th- I guess that's why it's the alarm. Right. <laughs> it's cause it's such a rare it's an emergency. It's right. It's an emergency to, uh, to, to, to let people know. But yeah, I guess w- when we talk about rewatchability here and again, that's been our catch all for, you know, the importance of the episode is it fun enough to watch again if i choose to sit down and watch it are you going to recommend it to somebody so i think we fall into uh, the trap this week again that we have fallen into a few times which is this episode is integral to the batman storyline so Mm. the batman beyond storyline so we have the you know the the return of stalker so we have a a villain that reappears for a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the introduction of a organization Cobra that plays in in uh, a, a big part in a couple a couple more episodes. I think yes. at least two at least two more episodes. A two parter uh, plus the Static Shock crossover as well. So. Right. So you have you have an organization that plays beyond this this show itself. So mm-hmm. in the greater DCAU, I guess you could you could make the case for that it's uh, continuity wise. It's important to know who these guys are. But in the grand scheme of things, not a lot changes because of this. It's not necessarily referred back to. We don't get a another stalker appearance here uh, in this series, unfortunately. So uh, I guess the argument could be made to skip it. But I'm gonna go ahead and, and give it a give it a two thumbs up. Yeah, I think based on where it lies, the crossover with Static later on, the introduction of Cobra as an organization, the dynamic switch up and sort of redemption of the Stalker character itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think all of that is important enough to say, hey, this is a must watch if you're if you're watching important episodes of the DCAU. If you're talking about, you know, the best of the best Batman Beyond episodes, n- not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's yeah, it's a solid episode, but definitely I think yes, the the reappearance of Stalker and the, and the introduction of Cobra is kind of why you find you would say this episode is important, quote unquote, uh, for sure. So yeah, uh, that will begin to wrap us up here. Thank you everybody for listening, uh, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. Uh, we thank you uh, no matter where you listen. Uh, if you are listening on an app that allows you to leave a review, we would love it if you would take the time to give us a five-star review. That does actually really help us. It bumps us up in search algorithms and that kind of stuff. Hopefully would get a few more people to listen to the podcast. We do appreciate uh, those who have already taken the time to do that. And uh, we would love if you could support us either by buying something from our store, which you can find at dcaureview.com. But, uh, you know, we understand not everyone has the cash to do that. Of course not. Totally, totally okay. Uh, we respect those, uh, respect that completely. Uh, but a really easy and free way for you to help us would be to go and subscribe to the Pod Tower YouTube channel. You're not just helping us out. You're also helping out uh, the folks from the Watchtower database, as well as Tim Talk, who also posts content there. You can find every episode we've ever done up there in a nice little curated playlist in order. Uh, on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, we would appreciate you subscribing there as well, giving us a like. Uh, we would appreciate that. And uh, also follow us on our social medias. You can find us at DCAU Review, both on Instagram and on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm usually there. We're talking all things DC, what we're reviewing, what we're going to be reviewing, uh, other things going on in the world of DC comics and movies and animation. Always love talking to folks there. Uh, tweet us or leave us a comment on our on our Instagram. Let us know what you thought of this episode of uh, both of our show and of the uh, the episode we're reviewing. And uh, definitely uh, keep uh, keep letting us know what you'd like to see us review uh, next, as we always like uh, talking with everybody on that. 
That's right. And uh, so, Liam, we believe it or not, so we are coming up on our final week of the month of August here. Wow. Uh, time certainly has flown as we, uh, we've gone here. So with that, with our final Saturday of the month, we've alluded to it a couple times before, but uh, we are actually excited to introduce a new format for, uh, for this upcoming episode. We're trying something out here. So no secret, we're going to pull the, pull the curtain back just a little bit here, but as we discussed as we reviewed Superman last month, we don't have a whole lot of Superman episodes left, Liam. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple a couple handfuls of episodes that we've been avoiding, yes. and uh, and a couple episodes some for good reasons, some for <laughs> we don't want to review them reasons. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, we've been avoiding some of those uh, those episodes. We've uh, you know Batman Beyond also has a limited amount that we're going to be left with at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, so in order to continue to just sort of talk about that, because eventually we're just going to either get to all Batman the Adam series is what we're going to have to review which is a good problem to have sure uh but there is unfortunately when you're reviewing a uh a a product like this that sort of has a beginning and end to the we have a limited amount of content to cover so Mm -hmm. we are going to uh try something out next week we're going to do a feature we're we're doing a dcau spotlight episode so what this is going to do is we're going to highlight a specific character typically one that we've covered their entirety of their run within the dcau uh, whether it be a hero a villain somebody that's made a big impact on the dcau so we're going to do a feature typically going to try and tie it into whatever show that we're covering that month or whatever theme that we're doing Mm -hmm. so this is a brand new thing we're trying it out we're going to see how it works and how it's received so we're going to rely heavily on those listening to let us know uh you know your thoughts on this what uh, whether or not you liked it so definitely shoot us some feedback uh, after next week's episode but our uh our dcau spotlight next week is our first inaugural one is actually going to be batman beyond related and that is going to feature Batman's arch nemesis, perhaps his greatest rogue, yet one that maybe we talked about was a little bit underused at times, and Mm -hmm. that being Derek Powers, a.k.a. Blight. So we will be talking about him all week next week. We're going to talk about uh, each one of his appearances uh, on Batman Beyond. We'll talk a little bit about his appearances in tie-in comics Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about uh, where he showed up in main DC continuity, Liam, and then uh, share some of our favorite moments from where he appeared in the DCAU. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a really exciting con- uh, concept as a as a way to sort of stretch things out because we don't want to, you know, give up talking about Batman Beyond or Superman or some of these other shows that we're sort of running out of episodes on. We want to continue to be able to discuss these in new and exciting ways, especially because you know we more people are listening to us now than were when we probably reviewed a lot of those early Batman Beyond episodes, which we covered you know pretty early on in our run. So. Uh, a good, maybe more accessible way for some folks to jump on, and uh, and you know we'll we'll talk not only about our our original reviews of, of those episodes that he appeared in, but as you mentioned, uh, appearances in other media as well. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try that out with Blight, and definitely, as as Cal said, we will be relying on your feedback at DCAU Review on Twitter and Instagram to to let us know what you think of that idea and uh, of the character of Blight can't wait to discuss all of that with you next week cal but until then i'm liam and i am cal and we'll be back with another episode of the dcau review Bye bye <laughs>